Hey guys, welcome to Unmapped, a podcast of true stories of expatriates and travelers. On every road in every big city, you will see us, the so-called foreigners. Behind every expatriate, there is a story to be told. Where did they come from? What made them leave their home country? What are their struggles and pursuits? Where are they going next? Our map is a podcast of this story told in their own voices. I'm your host Hannah, a girl grew up in a tiny town in China, an expatriate myself living in Paris. At the beginning of this episode, I have a deep question for you. Take a look at everything around you: the city, the metro, the job, the salary, the restaurants. Have you imagined that if all these things never existed in your life, would you freak out? Would you be depressed, or would you be much happier? Today's story is one that made me rethink about the meaning of everything we took for granted in life. So today, I'm bringing to you the part one of a two-parter: the story of Will. A British man living it up in the city of Paris, but his story in Paris is nothing like your usual Parisian romantic stories. And it's、uh, the mountains in England are beautiful, but it's not the same as Cornwall. Cornwall is just a very special place, you know. And then I moved, I moved to Paris because I wanted a challenge because、uh, you know I'm a, I, like the countryside I, and the sea like it's I'm like a fish you know like、uh, I thrive I thrive in that environment I just feel like、uh, it's easy it's a breeze you know I'd never starve in the countryside it's just impossible like I know where to get food I know yeah and I feel alive but I wanted to come to the city to challenge myself because it's a completely different environment. So that's why I decided I wanted to come to Paris, I guess, because it's like scary. It's not scary; it's just very different. You know? Before digging into the Parisian chapter of Will's life, let's go back in time with Will to the 1980s in the southwest of UK. So I was born. I was born on in England, but a part of England in the southwest of England. So I was born on the border of Devon and Cornwall. So Devon, we'd say, was England, and Cornwall's Cornwall's like a Celtic part of England. So the the culture there is very different,、um, and there's a river, and Cornwall's only connected to England by like a short piece of land. Like eventually, Cornwall will float away into the Atlantic, and、uh, but the culture is incredible. I mean, there's like a history of like smuggling and piracy. They talk about like witches and giants and pixies and all that kind of stuff, and. There's like、uh, the tale of King Arthur,、um, yeah, and they say swords in one of the lakes in Dosemary Pool, which is、uh, so. There's all this myth and legend, and it's a very wild place as well. So we're surrounded by sea. So there's like、uh, you've got the Atlantic.、Um, It's spectacular. It's spectacular.、There's、big sea cliffs. The sea's fierce.、So、like in the winter, there's big storms,、um, and the wildlife is amazing. Like we get basking sharks and dolphins, and、uh, like lots of jellyfish and crabs and uh, uh, seals. Lots of seals and buzzards and、um, snakes as well. We get adders. Lots of adders. Like.、Um, 
So yeah, it's wild. It's a really amazing place. So I was really lucky to grow up there. I feel like uh, it was a real privilege, you know. And I've travelled a lot around Europe, and uh, yeah, nowhere's quite as beautiful on the coast. Like it's got the most. I think it's the most beautiful stretch of coastline probably in the world. Actually, I've seen other pictures of coastlines that just they just don't compare, you know. Summertime is beautiful because there's golden sandy beaches and lots of places to swim and it's amazing. The surf is good, so I grew up surfing. But also in the winter, it's like there's lots of fishing villages. It's very mysterious, you know. And uh, yeah, when it's misty, it's always misty. It's England. It's, it's always raining. Um, and then when you hear all the like uh, the stories about the piracy and the smuggling and when it's misty as well, you know, when I was a kid, I loved it. It would like fuel my imagination. Um, so yeah, I'd grow up, like, I grew up reading books like that, like Treasure Island and all that kind of stuff. And you just think, wow, you know, this is like, uh, yeah, it fuels a young man's imagination. But yeah, like uh, there's a tradition there and people like live to that lifestyle. It's, it's amazing, it's very Celtic, similar to Brittany and France, like, uh, and the Welsh and the Irish, Isle of Man, Scotland, they're all that, so they've got that Celtic, and the people are harder, you know, they like, uh, it's kind of strange. They're a bit more harsh, I think, a bit harsh around the edges. Like, it's, uh, it comes from living in a wild place, I think. And my childhood was kind of crazy, because my parents divorced when I was four. And then my mum ran away with my stepdad to Cornwall, um, and that's how we ended up in like in Cornwall. So I was born on the border, um, but I was very young when we when we ended up in Cornwall. My dad's a difficult man. Like he's not. Um, I don't speak to my dad. So like my mum kind of had the same experience where she, um, my dad. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I don't know if he ever loved me or loved my brothers or like um, my mum says the same thing. I mean, my, uh, I think my mum was like his trophy girlfriend or whatever, you know. Um, yeah, I just I don't think he ever loved her. He loved the idea of her. Yeah, so my mum had this experience with my dad and I guess my stepdad came along and he's a completely different character again. He's very, he's like public school boys. He was big, he was strong, you know, he was like a boxer and he played rugby. Um, and my mum's a singer as well, a fantastic singer. That's how she met my stepfather because he was a singer as well. And they, um, yeah, they sang for, um, it was like a famous choir. They were like booked to do all sorts of things all over England. So, uh, yeah, so she, that's how she met him and then ran off, ran off with him. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of crazy and life, life was not easy. Like, uh, um, yeah, it was not easy. I mean, we had no running water, we had no electricity, we had, uh, we didn't have a toilet at one point. So uh, we were like uh, relying on the neighbours for things like that. And it, it took a long time. I mean, there was no floorboards in the front room, no carpet. Um, it was kind of crazy. But I thought it was normal. I just thought like, because I was a small child, I just thought, oh yeah, like, for mum, for my mum, it must have been like a nightmare. She's probably the person I respect most in the whole entire world because of what she's been through, like bringing us, bringing us up, you know. Middle of winter, she'd just get a bowl and she'd get water from like buckets that she'd got from the neighbours and we'd, um, she'd wash us like just with a sponge and soap, you know. 
and it was crazy. And then the, on the contrast, like uh, so, every um, second weekend, I'd go to my father and go to see my father, and he lived in beautiful houses. That, I mean, um, they were businessmen on that side of the family. So my dad was born into money, um, and he lived in the houses were just beautiful. You know, I mean, the house he's in now. Like, I've not spoken to my dad for a long time. But the house he's in now, um, it's like a five-bedroom house. Um, it's got a drawing room, it's got a workshop, it's got a big double garage, they've got land. It's absolutely stunning, you know. It's got a boat, sports car, like, um, it's got its own business. Um, yeah, it's like a really beautiful house. So we go from like that to then back to my mum's where we hadn't, we didn't even have running water, you know. It was crazy. Um, and she used an ar- we had what was called an arga, which is like, um, it's a big, uh, I had to explain it, it's like, well, like an oven. Um, and we'd burn wood and the arga, the heat from the arga would heat the house. And she'd do all her cooking on that. It's like had a big stone slab surface that would heat and she'd cook on that. Um, and we'd go to the beaches to collect food. So uh, we'd get crab and fish and mussels and limpets, not limpets, sorry, cockles we'd get. Like, uh, um, and we'd bring them home and mum would boil them all up and oh, we'd live like kings, you know. It was, uh, yeah, I mean, if you wanted a seafood like that in a restaurant in Paris, it would cost you a lot of money. But we were living like that every night, you know. I'd eat four spider crabs a day. <laughs> Which it probably cost you 40, 40 euros a head in Paris, you know. And I was having like four of, like sometimes five if I was hungry, you know. I realised that money wasn't very important at all and that love was more important than money. Um, that's the thing I learned the most, actually. I mean, like, my dad had luxuries, you know. I mean, he had a big television and a big, like, uh, stacking system, we call it, and we'd play our music, it was amazing. Uh, he'd have a VCR player, which, like, at the time, no one had them, you know. Um, and he probably had, like, three, four hundred movies, like, and we'd just, we'd go around, we'd watch war movies and horror films and stuff my mum wouldn't let us watch, you know. Um, but we didn't we didn't have a TV at my mum's, so uh, we'd play chess and I'd read. Um, yeah, it was uh, yeah different. It was a completely different world. I mean, I draw. I'm an artist, so uh, I learned a lot of that because we didn't have a television. I'd just sit at home and I'd be drawing on the days it was raining. If it wasn't raining, I'd be out surfing or like playing football or something. Um, so yeah, and then you had that contrast. So you go to dad's and it's like, it was a complete, we had toys at my dad's, we had cameras, we had like radio control airplanes and we were always building things. It was uh, a completely different world. But I realized very quickly that my dad was like very materialistic, you know, like he needed nice things. He needed a sports car. He needed, yeah, he just needed things that my mum didn't, you know. Like with my mum, it was more creative. Like we were playing, we didn't have toys, but we were playing. I was drawing and I was like, uh, we were using our imagination and we were talking. Like I really enjoy conversation, especially deep conversation. Um, and yeah, we had a lot of that at home, a lot of fulfillment. So when I talk to my brothers, the conversation's fantastic. With my mum as well, the conversation, like, you can just sit there and listen. My mum's the sort of person, if you talk to her, she can have you in tears, she can have you smiling, she can have you feeling like uh, anger, you know, it's all, it's all there. Like, so yeah, I, I, like seeing that contrast just really highlighted to me what I wanted from life. 
and I don't want material things. I, you know, it's nice if you can afford them. Yeah, definitely. You know, I like we all like to look good, and uh, we, you know, it's nice to have a nice watch or some nice shoes. But uh, I can do without that. So money ebbs and flows. You know, there's been times in my life where I've had money and I've enjoyed it. There's times in my life, like now, like now, for instance, where money's quite hard to come by, but I'm still enjoying myself because I'm surrounded by nice people and friends, and I just feel privileged, you know. And I'm having a great experience in Paris. We'll come back to Will's adult life a bit later. His adult life has been full of twists and turns so far, but at every turn, you will see him. Keeps going back to these values that came from a unique childhood experience, splitting time between wealth and poverty, and therefore his life wouldn't be anything conventional. But for now, let's continue with Will's childhood, because there's more to the story. My stepdad—he was alcoholic, so、uh, when he was sober, he was fantastic, you know. I mean, it was nice, like when he was like、uh, when he hadn't been drinking. Like, so first thing in the morning when he wakes up, you've got this amazing guy, yeah, like really articulate,、um, big and strong. You know, I was proud to be seen with him, and、uh, he teach me things like、uh, he teach me all sorts of stuff. You know, like、uh, teach me to box and all that kind of stuff, like stuff that boys like doing. You know. And I like I'd look at him and go, yeah, I want to be a big, strong guy, you know. So I'd,、uh, yeah, I'd do my press ups because he'd tell me to do my press ups and all that kind of stuff. So,、uh, but there was this other side to him which was really disappointing, you know. It's a really real shame. Like, and I, I, I like、um, I saw how alcohol just ruined him as a person,、um, and he got a bit crazier as he got older, a bit delusional, you know. Living around、uh, him was an absolute nightmare. So.、Uh, That's why we'd spend all our time outs outdoors playing, and my mum would just encourage us to go because she felt like we weren't safe at home, and she was right. We weren't safe at home. We were much safer out playing in the waves. Or... Will has two brothers. The oldest brother Rob was seven, and the younger brother Paul was not even five. Will, being the middle one, was around six by then. The small boys would run into the wild nature, and run for miles and miles into the woods. They grow up like that, and by the age of eleven, twelve, the boys would be gone for days, playing in the wild without coming home. We do all sorts of things. I, I mean, it's dangerous by the sea. Like,、uh, we play. Like, we would play in the waves, and I think we were probably quite lucky actually to survive our childhood. I mean, some of it, I have lost some friends growing up. Like、uh, they drowned in the sea, so the sea is very dangerous. But at the same time, like it was part of our life. We used to swim from one village to the other village, and it's a long way, you know.、Um, and you could tell who the local, like the local boys were, because we'd always be swimming from one village to the other. So the tourists couldn't swim like we could swim, you know.、Um, and there were the swimming area, and they had like boys with、um, a chain that went down. Um, and part of like our like、uh, part of our challenge was being to swim out to the swimming boy, hold onto the chain, and pull yourself down. And、um, it was a long way down on one breath, and you'd、uh, you'd pick up a stone off the bottom, and you'd swim back up and show the other lads, you know, and they'd be like, yeah, you know, like round of applause, and it's crazy, so amazing. But we were sailing and like、uh, kayaking, 
So from a, from a very young age, we'd go out and we'd play in the fields, we'd play on the beaches, we'd be swimming. Like, God, she knew some of the things we'd get up to. We went through a stage of setting fire to everything we came across as well, you know, but because we're in the countryside, it was, it didn't hurt anyone. I think if we grew up in the city, we'd, we would have been in a lot of trouble, but because it was the countryside, it was fine, you know, throwing stones at each other, climbing trees, like building rope swings, like fishing, swimming in the sea, surfing. It was always muddy or sandy or covered in bruises or somebody else's blood. For, like it was, I'd come home and my mum's like, whose blood is that? And I'm like, oh, just don't ask it, don't ask it. Yeah, it was funny, you know. As Will's mom had to work to support the livelihood of her sons, Will and his brothers would not have much supervision from their parents in terms of schooling. And we'd walk through cornfields to get to school. So, like when we were little, so my mum would tell us to walk to school by ourselves. Like, so she had work. I mean, she was off. Like she was trying to, um, yeah, she was trying to work. So she'd just send us out. You know, like I mean, I was only like six. My older brother was seven, and my younger brother was like five, four, four maybe. Not, not even five. And we'd be holding his hand, and my mum would just say, "Just hold his hand and walk to school." And we wouldn't go the, we wouldn't go straight to school. We'd go up through the fields there was a, I remember there was a stream and we'd go to the stream and we'd uh, we'd dam the stream like we'd take rocks and we'd dam the stream and uh, then we'd go to school and we'd come back in the evening to see if it would flood the field and then the field would be like flooded from where we dammed it up you know it was brilliant and we'd get to school covered in mud and they'd be like why are you covered in mud and we're like oh no reason you know because we knew what we were doing was naughty you know? And you come home and you see the fields like flooded. Just, it was just brilliant. But... My mum would sometimes she'd get us like um, like a babysitter, like, and she'd say like, when you finish school, walk home, and then go to like this lady's house, knock on the door, and like she'll look after you until I come home. So we did that, and every time, like my older brother, because they'd always have children that were at, at the same school as us. Sometimes they'd have older children, and we'd go around to their house. But every time my older brother would get upset with something and punch one of the children, one of the children. I say, I mean, he was seven. Though. I remember him punching like an eleven-year-old when we were like seven, you know. And then, like the the mother would be like, "You're never coming around here again." <laughs> we were like, yeah, okay. So in the end, like my mum would just be like, come home, get a football from the house, go up to the park and play football. So we'd be like, okay, we'll do that instead, you know. So we'd come home, we'd get a football, and we'd just go and play, play at the park. And, uh, and because of that, though, like because of that, because we were outdoorsy, because like we'd come home from school, we'd have nowhere to go, so we'd just go and play. Like every year, I, like I was winning sports day, like every you know, hundred meter sprint, I won javelin, I won because we're always throwing things. I just won everything, you know. Like uh, there, there we've, there's a trophy cabinet in my old school, and my name's on all the trophies. Like, and I'm really quite proud of that. But I was like, I was a product of the lifestyle we were leading, you know. And then like I played football, so I captained my university. I, like I played. Uh, I played football at quite a good level because we were always out playing football. My brothers are fantastic football players as well. And yeah, it was like, uh, it was good, you know, like uh, there were lots of advantages to having a life like that, where like actually home life wasn't safe, but we were forced to do outdoorsy things instead. 
calendar. I was always behind academically because of my stepfather. I wouldn't do my homework because I didn't have a safe place to really do my homework. So I quite often I'd do my homework on the school bus and then my teachers couldn't read it because my handwriting was like every bump we went over, you know, I was like, uh, so I'd always on my school reports where like Will's very intelligent, but like uh, he never does his homework and he's like, uh, you know, and in class I'd be drawing as well. So like... They were, they were like, uh, yeah, Will, like, he doesn't pay attention in class. But I was, I was listening with one ear and drawing with, uh, drawing, like, at the same time. So I fell behind academically. Um, yeah, it was mainly to do with my stepdad. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess I, they, then when I finished school, I, like, I chose all my own curriculum almost. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't, the books we were force fed at school. I didn't read them. I didn't read them. I didn't have time. Like, uh, um, so when I finished school, I was like, okay, I can choose my own books and educate myself. So I guess I've been I've always been a bit of a non-conformist, if you like. You know, I don't. I, yeah, I didn't want to fill that mold that all my other friends were being pushed into. The thing that I found amazing about Will's childhood. Is that he did not have any of the things that we would like to give to our children to guarantee a happy childhood: the financial sufficiency, a safe home environment, stable, loving parents. Given all this, one would think that Will had a miserable childhood. Well, his childhood was definitely hard. But he still found enormous fulfillment, taking advantage of the things that were given to him. In the adventure, in the creative works, and in the love of his mom and brothers, maybe us as human, our pursuit for happiness and love is such an instinct since the moment we are born, like ever-burning flame, even in the coldest winter, even in the worst possible condition, we'd always be pursuing love. Beauty and truth. They say that the best things in life come for free. I think Will definitely lived up to that, and you will see more in the next episode. And in the part two, we will hear about Will's adult life and the adventure that he went through in Paris. Here is a small preview of what's coming up in part two. Like I'm working, yeah, I'm working towards that conventional life. I mean, we even talked about family. We talked about names for the children we were going to have. You know, all of those things. Like we talked about marriage, blah blah blah, all of that. Like, yeah, but it just, uh, yeah, it just sometimes things just don't work out. You know, six miles into this walk in the middle of the night, and somebody drove past and they said,、um, uh, "Would you like a lift?" And I was like, I was like, "No, I'm all right." And then I was like, I wasn't all right, you know. So they drove on, and I'm like, then I just shouted like, I'm not all right, you know. <laughs> and I sat in this field. I was an absolute state, like an absolute state. I was freezing. It was so cold.、And、I just sat there for about an hour, just crying. And then I, I just got up, and I was like, No,、nah, no,、nah, keep going, you know, keep going. And then. So I went onto I went onto Facebook and I put、um, I've just quit my job、um, I've quit my job I've quit my apartment、um, 
does uh, anybody like uh, anybody know of any jobs going? Like I'm open to moving away, and I had a friend from the, the borders of Scotland like offering me a job teaching archery and fencing. I had another friend offering me to work on a fishing boat. Like somebody on a farm in Africa as well. Come and work on a farm in Africa, and I was like, yeah, I like the sound of that. You know, that's and then a French friend. Um, French friend was like, uh, well, we're building music studios. Um, you can live at my house, and uh, he said I could. Uh, during the week, we'd be building music studios in Paris, and then at the weekends we'd be surfing on the French coast. And the money, the money they were offering was fantastic, you know. Um, so they're like minimum two hundred and fifty euros a day, and I can't say I can't say no to that. So I, I just said yes, and then I packed up all my things, uh, drove to Brittany. This is today's episode, and stay tuned for the second part of Will's story, the adult life following the unusual childhood, coming up in two weeks. At the meantime, you can check out Will's artwork. He's a wonderful illustrator. Will's imagination, myth, the wildlife, ocean, adventure, legends, all come to life under his pen. You will see them at Will's illustration on Instagram. You can also check out our Facebook page at Unmapped Podcast for some of Will's childhood pictures. Please subscribe or share our podcast with your friends if you like the story. Until next time, take care and stay calm.